0: In this episode of The Ziegler Show, I wanted to get a pulse on small business in this new year. And after nearly a year of COVID-19, which has caused so much business upheaval. So I brought Dan Miller onto the show to shed light on what is working in small business and what is not, where there is now more and less opportunity. And we covered topics such as coaching, which he had a lot to say about the changing landscape there. We talked about franchises, social disconnect, and opportunities around that product and service businesses. Uh, What's happening with giving was surprising. Uh, We talk about authoring, infopreneuring, and more. Even opportunities with RV campgrounds got me to thinking I should convert my Rocky Mountain home acres into RV sites. And I literally crafted this show to address the questions I hear everyone in small business asking right now. Dan Miller is the renowned author of 48 Days to the Work You Love and one of the more renowned career and business coaches of our time. He's also my father. And if you hear some of his guidance and desire to connect with him more, you can do that at 48days.com or email him at askdan at 48days.com. Welcome, everyone. I'm Kevin Miller, and I host three podcasts that address the root issues of human development and lifestyle design. Here on The Ziegler Show, we focus on work and our professional performance. I have honest conversations with people who built wildly successful businesses out of a desire to help others and get their business story, how they got into the business, how they succeeded with it. I also host weekly QA sessions with my co host, Tom Ziegler, where we address listener comments to core questions. Of performance. In my motive podcast, I get to the core of all personal progress our motives, our reasons for doing anything. I share the methodology to clarify your motives so you can effectively and efficiently make progress toward what you truly want. I bring on high achievers, celebrities, influencers, and leaders to uncover what motivates them. What were their reasons from beginning to now? Good, bad, ugly, and beautiful. In my True Life podcast, my co-host, Functional Medicine MD, Randy James, and I debunk the cultural viewpoints on health and wellness that are killing our country and reveal the psychology and methodology of taking control of and responsibility for your health and lead you to being as fully functioning as possible so you can go about doing all you desire to do. You can find them all at KevinMiller.co. Well, I wanted to hit, you know, beginning of the year where we're still at and just look at what's the pulse on small business. I, I feel in some ways, culturally, a little more confused than ever. It's so hard to keep track of what's going on and what to believe and whatever. And I just thought, what about business? I mean, here on the Ziggler Show, we talk so much about business. So many people are doing things. So many things have shifted. It seems like the buzzword for recent months is pivot, you know, in business. How do you pivot? And I thought, what, "Who has a good pulse on this? How about my dad dan miller <laughs> the 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 forty eight days to the work you love guy, who everybody turns to for this stuff, and just wanted to do that just to have a candid conversation about what are you seeing you're you touch so many people every single day. I mean you just got back from lunch with what a bunch of businessmen, right a bunch of entrepreneurs, yeah, right." Yeah. So that and you've seen that and you've seen people, I mean, since, since COVID, not to make this a COVID show, but obviously we can't talk about anything without the relevance of what that's done in the past. What are we at now? 10 months since it's really right. been acute Ten months. Uh-huh. Um, that's, that has changed the face of business in ways that will never go back. Uh, but well, that's what I want to get into. That's what I want to get into right there. I mean, what do you see when you look at business? What are some highlights of things that you see are working and not working, are, are growing and are going away, are, you know, maybe you're going to come back. Maybe you're gone forever. Kind of, kind of that thing. I mean, you've got, I mean, I know that in the space that you're in, there's a lot of, is that fair to say, infopreneurs?
1: Yes, very much so. You know, intellectual property.
0: Okay. Uh-huh. But then you, a lot of those like you do a lot of events in person events speaking that's right, a lot of conferences a lot of speaking like well, let's there let's jump right there i mean where it's hard to believe that's ever going to happen again i mean we got to f- assume that it will but holy smokes i mean what do you if you're a professional speaker or you're used to doing those in person groups or or you're used to going to those i mean how many people relied on that for their quarterly or annual jolt of motivation and inspiration to go to those things and we, we have no light at the end of the tunnel at the moment, do we?
1: Not in terms of going back to the way things are, but... O- okay, true. You no, know, that's not how I think. I know, okay. <laughs> there, <laughs> there is light at the end of the tunnel, but it's different. A different color light. That's right. Different than what we've been used to. Yeah. But that's what we saw happen. We saw massive change And for some people, that can be really intimidating. It came, it was unexpected, it was unwelcome, and so it forced us all to change. But this is where mindset becomes really important, and the things that you talk about so much here on the Ziegler Show, mindset can prepare you for that so it's not as devastating as it is for some people. If you wanted things to stay the same and if you're used to having things just one year after the next the same, then last year was a devastating year. But if you really are an entrepreneur, and just to use that as an example, I know not everybody is, but if you're an entrepreneur, I mean, we we eat change for breakfast, man. We get up expecting change. That's what makes us thrive. So it really wasn't devastating in the same way. Now, you used the term pivot, and yes, a lot of people had to figure out new ways to do things. I mean, I did, so it wasn't a matter of getting out there and speaking. And I had conferences booked, like with universities. Well, the universities said, gee, we can't do that in March, like we had planned, or May, but we'll schedule it for October. And then some of them kind of tentatively opened doors, and then they told me, you know what, we can't do this event because students aren't coming back. Now here's, and here's the thing about that that we need to kind of unpack a little bit. There are a lot of people, workers, students, other people who discovered the freedom of not going to a confined space, and they discovered that it really works pretty well. Workers who discovered they can work from home. And em- employers who decided, wow, why do we pay for this real estate for people to sit in there if they can do their work from home. Universities are discovering, I mean, universities right now are like ghost towns. We're never going to go back to the same kind of model because students have discovered we can get the very brightest instructors in the world by simply turning on our computers. There are students right now who are paying $60,000 to go to Harvard and all they're doing is just computer assisted learning. How long do you think that model is going to last? It's not. People are going to say, this is nuts. Why am I paying that kind of money when I'm not doing anything but just turning on a computer where I can get access to the finest brains in the world and often at no cost at all? So we're going to see massive changes there. Churches who all of a sudden, I mean, we were contacted a lot this last year by pastors who thought they were secure and then found out, no, they're not. Because churches can't meet. I mean, whoever anticipated that coming. And the anticipation is now. I heard a stat just yesterday that predicted 45% of people will not go back to church. Wow. Not that they're losing their spirituality, but they've discovered they can stay connected and they can grow spiritually without having to go to a building on Sundays. It's going to dramatically change that. When it comes to business... We've seen people who let's take speaking as an example, you know, our mutual friend, Kent Julian, been a friend of ours for years. He's a speaker. That's what he does. March hit. And all of a sudden he had 21 events that he was booked for cancel. That's his income. Yeah. That's hundred percent of his income is going to speak. I just interviewed him here. We are in January, 2021. I just interviewed him. He said that he has to go back and look, but he's pretty confident that he had the biggest third and fourth quarter that he ever had in his life. That's somebody who understands how to pivot. What he discovered is that organizations that he would normally speak for just as a keynote speaker were really open to the idea of training. So he developed some training modules, and thus he was able to scale what he was doing way beyond what he can do when he's there individually in front of a group of people.
0: Yeah. And, and I did hear that from others. I thought you were going to say Pete Vargas as well. He's another mutual Pete friend Vargas of ours. Up, yeah. yeah. And that was his, and that Exploded. was his thing. Yeah. That's right.
1: Wow. Yeah. Um, a gentleman who in my mastermind, Chris Niemeyer, his primary business was a travel agency. So he helps missionaries, but then also entrepreneurs plan cruise trips trips abroad and all that. That was his cash cow. It was sitting there pretty much on cruise control, making him a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. And all of a sudden, March came along of last year. It went to zero. Nobody's traveling. Everybody wanted refunds. He finished out the year. Just last week, he was texting me about which Maserati should he buy. He ended up buying a really, really, modacious Audi sedan, 420 horsepower, the thing screams. That's how he ended up his year, which is a pretty good indication. He found some other things to do. He pivoted into some real estate investments and has really found a sweet spot there. And he leveraged that dramatically during the year, ended up in great shape. So we see people, it's surprising to hear these stories over and over and over again. Were there businesses that were impacted in a negative way? Absolutely. There's a whole lot of people who figured out the next opportunity by not getting trapped in desperation, sitting on a curb, wringing their hands, but saying, what does this make possible? And they found things to move into.
0: Well, on that, you know, what makes possible? I think it was, do you still get uh, Roy H. Williams, his Monday morning memo? Yes, I sure do. I, I think it was this week, and I think it was him that talked about him pondering, and I appreciate him saying, you know, in some of these areas, he he said, I have no idea what's going to happen, but, uh, that with people working remotely, you're talking about universities, people working remotely and how many companies are realizing the productivity. I think he said, not only stayed the same, but increased with so many employees. They're never going to go back to a, an office with 500 people, which is going to leave a lot of real estate you know, vacant and just wondering, yeah, I, I a lot of people I'm sure like me wondering, oh my gosh, I wish I'd have thought about half of this stuff 10 months ago. This is where my investment money would have gone. I never would have considered, you know, what are the changes that are going to happen as opposed to this quarantine? And uh, obviously we hear so much about people who had a hard time, but there's also people who have made billions, as you know, uh, Absolutely. from this. Well, but what, if we look at small business, small business America, then when people come to you, And I know this isn't a fair question. It's kind of like you know my buddy Randy, your doctor, my doctor, and people ask me, you know, what's the best exercise to do, Doctor James? He says, whatever the heck you'll do every day. And so you know, what's the best business, Dan? And you're gonna go whatever fits you. Uh, So I got that. (laughs) We got that. With that said, you know, when you look at the scope of the landscape of small business, some of those areas have gone have gone away. I mean, right now, if you want to be a Public speaker and go get paid. Now you can do it online. I know people have done well with online things, but public speaking is—you know—that is not happening right now. Putting on live events, whatever, whether it's you know musical events, art events, or or personal development, and those are not happening in that fashion anymore. And so, if you're have a business that provides, you know, catering, or yeah, what are some of the businesses you've seen? I mean, they're just right now they are gone and they're going to be gone. For a while. I mean, the people that you used to pay to come and set things up for an event and cater things and whatever, who knows when that'll be back. I mean those yeah, there there are some businesses like retail businesses yeah. that have gone
1: away and will never recover again. I mean, Amazon, when you consider their business, was up forty three percent this year. It tells us people have gotten used to the idea instead of running down the, the street to the store to buy paper clips, you just order it. And it's there the next day. So there are some industries like Amazon with their delivery and all that that have exploded as a result of this. There are a lot of businesses that have been hurt by it and there are businesses that have been fueled by it as well. Yeah. But I talked to an Uber driver the other day, I was going somewhere and uh, he was saying, you know, there's, uh, there's not many people traveling right now. And I said, what are all the Uber? He's, they just switched, they're doing DoorDash, they're doing GrubHub. Oh. they're delivering Food. They're delivering other products in the same model, but a different kind of clientele. So they just realigned for that. Well, I'm looking at you. You mentioned properties. Yeah, I've got a realtor feeding me properties right now because I said, "Show me the properties that are vacant, that are available, properties that used to be office space or retail space." So commercial oh. properties. You're talking. About. Commercial property, commercial properties. And they are, the the number is just outrageous. They're everywhere. And I'm looking at those. How could we repurpose that for other use? How could we make a business incubator for small businesses that want a place outside the home, but they're like you and me, and they're doing a small business where they could get together. We could have some shared service, some brainstorming, create almost a mastermind for small businesses by repurposing, there are hotels that, were, that are vacant. Uh, think about that. I mean, a hotel where it's just a single room, but it has a bathroom and shower in it. I mean, it's perfect setup for small businesses. That also, I'm talking to some friends who have repurposed a couple of hotels into housing, low-income housing, so it's not a fancy apartment. It's just a single room. But if you rent those for 500 bucks a month, you have people standing in line for those because it meets a need in the market that has not been met well historically. I love those kind of ideas that are coming up.
0: Well, so let me ask you about some areas. You, you, do, you work with a lot of coaches. We have a lot of coaches in the Ziegler you know, audience. What has happened with uh, coaching in general? And you got people doing life coaching, you know, career coaching, of course. You've got people doing fitness, health and wellness coaching. Where do you see what's happening there, good and bad?
1: There are thousands of people who have been thrown into this space where they have to figure out what they're going to do next. Because of the uncertainty, and because of the new work models, there's a whole lot of people that are saying, I need some guidance to help me through this. It's a absolute smorgasbord for coaches right now, because there's so many people saying, yes, I need to reassess where I am. I, I can't just rely on things being the same as they were last year. No, I need to be, you know, what I'm moving toward, not just what I'm coming from. I mean, I, I heard, a, I went to a, a luncheon last week and we had a gentleman there who is a futurist. So he was talking about, the future and where we're going. He says that starting in 2020, we've just entered the decade where we're going to see more change than human history has ever experienced in a 10-year period of time. Now, there have been people before that who have predicted that, so it remains to be seen. But, you know, he's saying things like uh, the the invention that has changed humanity more than anything else by far is electricity. Mm -hmm. It's affected our lives more than anything else. He said AI, artificial intelligence, is going to have more of an impact on us than electricity did. We're going into that. But he says we need to learn How to be the parents of our future rather than the offspring of our past.
0: Wow. Yeah, which I love that statement. You you know Benjamin Hardy, don't you? Yes. Uh, He's writing a book right now, Become Your Future Self. Uh, Okay. That's the book he's working on right now. And yesterday... I ended up, uh, we were supposed to be recording a show. Tom Ziegler and I talked for an hour and a half, just about life and what's happening. He starts talking to me about just what you're talking about, AI and and the change and how rapid, and he starts quoting this stuff. I said, man, where'd you get that? I want to read that. He said, it's a book. The future is faster than you think by Stephen Kotler and Peter Diamandis. I just interviewed Stephen two weeks ago. But it was oh, on his other book, the art of impossible, uh, the art of impossible. So I just contacted Steven's folks and said, I think I want to talk to him about this book. So they I haven't even read it yet. So they're sending the book and I want to talk about that. But yeah, some of the, the, the new things that are coming up, the changes that are coming and the rapid changes and in, in artificial intelligence, which is not something that I have spent a lot of time looking at, but uh, along with your guy, I keep hearing the same message by a lot of smart people coming up. So I want to understand.
1: Well, if you, you ought to be getting Peter Diamandis updates that he sends out every couple of days. It's got the latest, greatest. The things that he's predicting are phenomenal. But he's, he's a brilliant mind in that space. What's happening with AI and future.
0: You are listening to The Ziegler Show and this episode with Dan Miller on small business in 2021. Next, we talk about the growing demand and opportunities in coaching. Here are some valuable products and services, then we'll dive right back in. Thankfully, the days of building a business website, then having this massive endeavor to integrate an online store are gone. Today, Shopify has fixed all that. I had one business where we actually built the entire website on Shopify's platform. So whether you're just starting out What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. How about franchises? I know you deal with a lot of folks who are, who have franchises who may be a good fit to go after that. Actually, wait a minute. No, I forgot though. On coaches, You, you said a lot of people are going to coaches, obviously then by proxy, we would say there's an opportunity for people who want to become a coach in certain areas. Yes, I saw the eyebrows go up there. But well, get, go well, ahead. As you know,
1: we have a coaching mastery training. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you think I was positioned well?
0: Posi- positioned. So I, I was going to. But I thought that I wanted give me a top level uh, freebie counsel for everybody out there who's thinking about being, you know, a coach. They're hearing you. There's a lot of opportunity. They have thought about being a coach right now, but that more, more people, more opportunity, but also means there's more noise more competition. That's right. Okay. Speak to that with,
1: with coaching. Yeah. You know, I tell people we got good news and bad news. Yeah. The good news is anybody can be a coach. The bad news is anybody, anybody. could be a coach. Yeah. It yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's a mixed blessing because there because of the opportunity, there's a whole lot of people who just get up in the morning and, and say, okay, and now I'm a coach, you know, pay me. Well, that's pretty tough to assume that you can just put on a hat in the morning and be a coach. Coaching, like Zig talked so much about selling, you don't have people who are just natural born salespeople. We hear that term incorrectly, so people learn how to sell. And if you have a proclivity to do it well, fantastic. Start with that, but then learn how to do it well. Same thing is true of coaching. What I ask people who say, can I be a coach? My first question is, are people coming to you now asking for your advice and opinion? If they are, we maybe can position you then with some training and structure to be a coach. That's the real critical question. If they aren't then yeah, let's look at something else. It's probably not a good. Can
0: I, can I ask you another caveat on that? It's something that I come to frequently, but I I just always feel so important because with that, um, obviously I'm, I'm grateful that in the position I am, I have a lot of people that come and and ask me for advice. And yet, as everybody probably knows, I I don't offer any coaching, uh, packages. I do occasionally, and did in the past. I like to just segment it by consult, you know, what's the issue? Let's do an initial session and, and give a direction, right. give counsel and direction, do that. I do like doing that. I struggle with coaching though, with the ongoing coaching. It's not a great fit for me. Can you speak to that for the people who like the concept, but I do see a different because I'm, I'm a great candidate for that. I did coaching, tried to, uh, you know, did well, but I didn't enjoy it. It wasn't a good fit for my Personality, my bent, but the consulting, I can do that. I enjoy that part. The, the kind of the front end. Here's the direction yeah. and go. Well, well, we, well, You just kind of
1: you kind of unpacked it right there. Let's look at three terms: counseling, coaching, and consulting. Okay. Counseling implies this is going to be a long-term process. Gee, because of the way your mommy potty trained you, you know, we're going to talk about that for the next two years and hope that you start to feel better. Now, I'm obviously exaggerating. Coaching comes in between there. Coaching is like, okay, here's where you are. Where do you want to be three years from now? What decisions do you need to make to get there? Now, that can be a one-time thing. It can be ongoing. Mine, as you know, I stick with my 48 Days brand I have a package that I coach people for 48 days. So it's not a long period of time. And in that, we do an intensive burst of focused activity to get you in a new direction and get you off and running. Consulting is more like what you talk about, where you may come into an organization, spend two days with them, look at the things they could do to improve their productivity, efficiency, or whatever. You make the recommendations, you leave. You're not even there for the implementation, you leave. So that's kind of a... Just kind of a thumbnail sketch of counseling, coaching, and consulting. But if people are, as you say, coming to you asking for your advice and opinion, you're you're certainly overlooking an opportunity to not provide something to deliver that. Call it what you want to, but if they're asking, wow, people are willing to invest in the process
0: to get new results. Can we can we can we lay that out there, though, for people who heard you saying, yeah, there is great opportunity in the coaching world these days that, you know, one, discern where is your heart bent expertise? Uh, Is it in counseling? Is it in coaching? Is it consulting? Because those are different things, not that they can't encompass some or have some overlap, but those are different things. One. And then two speak to your feelings today on niching.
1: Yeah, and I I want to be quick to add here, coaching should not be a default position. Well, gee, nothing else is working, so I'll be a coach. That would be a horrible kind of thing. That would be like, you know, God called me to be a missionary after four months of trying to look for a job, and I couldn't find anything, so maybe this is it. Eh, I'm not a fan of that. Coaching ought to be at the primary forefront if it's something you're really drawn to, if you have that for it, an attraction too.
0: Well, even that to what you said, are people coming to you asking for advice? That's question number one, I guess. Then question number two is, do you enjoy doing that?
1: Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's it should not be a hardship, a burden.
0: Yeah, because some of it, I, again, I enjoy part of it, and then it's, it does it becomes a burden, and that's kind of why I burnt myself out of that as well. But but yeah, talk about the niche then aspect of it of how to position yourself to stand out.
1: Yeah, it's, it's like branding. You know, if you are just going to be a coach who helps people achieve things that they've never achieved before, you help leaders n- navigate through change. I mean, you put yourself in a camp where there's thousands and thousands of other people. Everything in there is generic. So we encourage coaches to identify a niche. Doesn't mean that you can only do one thing, but become known for something. What makes you distinctive? What is it that people are going to think about when they think about you? And I've got a guy who just joined our coaching mastery program. He has two bricks and mortar facilities already for drug testing. He has a history in law enforcement of drug testing and he's developing programs. He, he works with major companies like frontier actually he's from out in your area works with frontier and you know, big companies like that to do their drug testing. But now we're helping him create a model To replicate where it would be a franchise, his coaching opportunity is in so many people coming into him, employers coming to him saying, how can I detect early signs of drug abuse? You know, what should I look for when I'm screening people to potentially hire them? He's framing that as a coaching opportunity, a coaching package. So rather than just be a casual conversation because he's doing the drug testing, no, you really want to learn about that? I've got a coaching process for you. Okay. And and whatever it is, so we have, if it's if it's health, become known for something. If it's parenting or marriage or life or career, whatever it is, become known for something that's distinctive in that space. As with me, as you know well, I'm known primarily still as a career coach. Well, you Google career coach and you're going to get 13, 14 million sites. I mean, I'm in there somewhere, certainly. I don't know where. It doesn't really matter because... You put in 48 days, I'm going to own the first two pages of a Google search. Not because I paid for fancy SEO, because I'm the guy who says, you don't have to just wait till all the lights are green, wait till you pay off your student loans, wait till the kids graduate. No, I'm the guy who says, you can change your life dramatically in 48 days if you create a plan and act on it. And that has worked like magic for me for many years.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, I saw that well and lesson, lesson well learned. I hope everybody hears that one. You you mentioned with that guy franchises, which I I started to get into uh, initially. I mean, that is, uh, that's one, I know a guy who does a lot of work or multiple people do, does a lot of work in franchising uh, in general. It's always a hot topic in small business. I have no idea what's been happening to franchises. Is it as simple as, Hey, the ones that are still in need are doing great. And the ones that, you know, didn't, that, that COVID wrecked are in bad news. But what are the opportunities in franchising right now that you're seeing?
1: If you were focused totally on bricks and mortar locations, they took a big hit. Yeah. But there's franchises for pretty much any kind of business you can imagine. So if it is in the intellectual property space, there are franchises for that. Those that were based on physical locations, so if it's fast food, a lot of them have done extremely well by focusing on their delivery yeah. or curbside pickup and discovering that it requires less overhead and expense for them to not have people inside. So there's ways to make it work. We aren't going to see franchising go away. It's a very legitimate model. It just simply means you created a prototype and it works, and now you can share that model with other people, and they'll pay you for the privilege of knowing a model that's already been proven to work. Very so yeah. legit. So much of our commerce has gone. I mean, when you, when you drive into any mall area, you're going to see your restaurants and the stores. Most of them are franchises. Yeah. I mean, people recognize having just company-owned stores that expand is a very capital-intensive, very expensive, slow way to expand. Whereas if you create a franchise, other people invest their money, and you can spread the word, spread the brand much, much quicker.
0: What's what's happened or what do you see happening? Because when you mentioned some of the drive-thrus, you know, I, I, I see McDonald's that's near our office is always full, unfortunately, in my opinion. But, you know, they're doing well, obviously. Now, Starbucks, that's a place we've got a, one of the most amazing, I think it's the highest elevation Starbucks in America here. Wow. In uh, Woodland Park, it overlooks Pikes Peak. It's just It's got one of my favorite place to sit out uh, in the back. And so that's a place where I was generally found sitting there, Uh, At least twice a week, minimum. Uh, Plus, you know, going through the drive-through as well. Well, now they they had a little bit of time when it was open, but now it's shut down again. There's no indoor uh, seating there. It's just a drive-through. Now, when I look in there, all the employees who I know, they're still there. I think they they seem to be uh, running as many people uh, working in it as they as they ever were because the drive-through is just full. So, okay, we see that side of it. But over here, and I thought about that when you mentioned the universities that people are realizing that they can get the education just as well maybe not better or maybe if not better i'm sorry and should be cheaper we would think uh, they can get it out here on their own but in both of those cases though we're missing out on the social aspect and how many kids went to college just to as your wife said just to find a husband or you know just to find friends or just to find I mean, even the even the Silicon Valley story of the guys who went to college and never finished the first year because they got together and formed a business together and it was that coming together socially same thing at Starbucks how many people are there to be together uh, specifically even the you know the working uh, co-working spaces that were so popular I don't know what What's happened with them necessarily, you know, with COVID. But if we took away all those social things, what's happening business wise? There's got to be a void there. I I saw somebody recently saying, "Hey, I know you can go do Peloton and theoretically be with other people, but you're still alone home, alone by yourself at home. You're still not face to face. You're you're not meeting new people authentically." You know, so what is happening? How is that affecting business? And again, what are there some opportunities? Shown up there.
1: Yeah. You really tapped into something important in this whole issue because it is different. Learning by yourself is much different than learning with people around you. University of Phoenix was one of the first ones to offer at-home training, online training, and yeah. they exploded in size because of that. They had... Keith Mm Ferrazzi wrote, he's an author, one of his books was Never Eat Alone. And University of Phoenix paid him an enormous amount of money to go around to their different locations and train their people on the power of teaching students to have a study buddy. Hmm. They discovered that if somebody had a study buddy, they were three times as likely to finish as they were doing it on their own. Wow! There's immense power in community. I had a long conversation with Dave Ramsey just last week. Um, as you know, he recently built a $60 million campus, has over a thousand employees. They had just moved into that in March when all this happened, and he was forced, against his will, but forced to have people work from home, and so they did that for a period of a couple months, people are back now, but a couple months of months are working at home. And I asked him, so do you know, did people become spoiled? They realized they could just work from home. Did you realize you really don't need all these fancy offices for people to, he says, no, here's what happened. Uh, in, in short, it's this. He said, they never missed a goal. They never missed a quota. They were able to maintain everything they had set out to accomplish last year. What they missed was the creativity and innovation for moving forward. So he described it as they were able to maintain. They lost that sense of imagination, dreaming together that drives them into new areas of productivity. That's pretty important. Yeah. And we, we've seen that in companies, major companies like AT and B, Best Buy and others, who moved very quickly to remote workers. You can work anywhere you want to, but a lot of them are instituting plans. Yeah, it really, we lost something in doing that. It's not just the raw productivity. We need this synergy of people coming together, working together. We aren't going to lose that forever. We aren't going to lose. So you,
0: even the zoom calls where you can have, you know, 15 people in a room, if you don't think, yeah. it's, and what was the new one that everybody's talking about? I saw you talking about uh, Clubhouse. clubhouse. I, I keep getting invites for that. I haven't done it yet. But yeah, it's, it's, it's all real time.
1: There's no saved archived content. It's real time. It's verbal. And you're just there. And anyway, the other people who are trying to come up with ways to replicate what we lost by being together in a room.
0: But you're saying that still, we're not going to, we're not going to usurp that the face to face magic.
1: It's still different. Yeah. You and I can, here on Zoom together, uh, both eat a sandwich. That's different than sitting around a table, yeah. joking together and seeing each other. It just is different. Yeah. And in, so in the same way, when we talk about academic models, I mean, the European academic model has always been to get together in small groups and you, you learn from discourse. Now, our American academic model is more one of just you have somebody up front and they're talking to the group. You regurgitate. It's very, very different. But the European model has always been get together the Socratic method. We learn by discussion. So sure. we have to have conversation to really enhance the process of learning. And we're going to see that people who miss The connectivity they were experiencing at church but also you know in restaurants so we're going to see that continue that's not going away we're not going to just learn to live individually that defies a whole lot of things we know about humanity
0: yeah yeah Um, let me let me run to another category because you mentioned the increase in Amazon we got a lot of people out there who have products some type of a let's go to physical products that they are selling what has happened there cuz I, again I don't know I'm just but I'm pondering I do wonder I mean Amazon is you know the behemoth these days and you're right I, you know it used to be Walmart I've got a Walmart a mile and a half from me maybe that I have no need to ever go to it's just it's what? not ever worth my time I go on Amazon and, and I buy it most of the stuff that I'm buying on Amazon are the commodity products for the most part uh, they're the, you know, the, the, instant hot water tea kettle for home. It's the office supplies, books, of course, entertainment things, electronics, yada, yada. Um, but the, I, I'm going to put them in the commodity premium stuff though. I, I do get elsewhere. I just recently got some Birkenstocks. You remember those? Uh, oh, yeah. cause I, I hurt my foot. So I'm trying to do some stuff and got those. And I went to Birkenstock and got it, you know, directly from, uh, from them. But for people who have a product i guess i guess maybe maybe that's the differentiation is it premium or is it a commodity is that fair as far as i'm not
1: sure there's it's fair question but i don't know that there's really a distinction there okay i just got delivered yesterday a high-end elevating desk which i'm thrilled about what'd you get what ran autonomous
0: Hmm. okay i don't even it's killer. Yeah.
1: Anyway, I I did not take the time to go to a store where they're going to have one or two brands. I had the luxury of looking at high-end desks online yeah. and watch videos, see testimonials from people. So I got a really broad overview of that arena and made my decision and purchased there. And UPS delivered it. Did you
0: purchase it. directly from them or through? I purchased directly from the company. You did? Yes. Okay. Okay. I did.
1: Yeah, I interacted with them, purchased directly from them. But even there, you know, so on a high-end product, I have the luxury of not having to spend days and days and days going to different stores, different markets to research. I can just jump online and do it there. It's Change
0: So what's the counsel then for somebody who has a physical product? So let's say that they did have a brick and mortar. That's not happening as much. They're going online, but there are so many things that you can get on Amazon. As you know, uh, we're, we're going to be soon coming out with our own supplement line. And we're working with a manufacturer that, that goes to great lengths to not be available on Amazon. Now they do that to make sure that they can control the delivery, that it's not sitting in some hot warehouse, losing its efficacy, you know, over time that may not be the case if you're selling, uh, you know, a a widget or something that doesn't, you know, that doesn't matter. But is that if you've got a product these days, it's all happening more and more is happening online. Are you better off or when are you better off to try to align with an Amazon, have your product there as opposed to have it come just from you, exclusively from you.
1: Amazon has so many advantages. It's very difficult (laughs) to compete with them. When you say control the delivery, I mean there's nobody I know where I can order something this afternoon and it's here tomorrow. Nobody's competing with that model yet and speed and efficiency will make you wealthy. Mm -hmm. We've become accustomed to that, the baby boomers and now preceding or subsequent generations have become so accustomed to that. It's like when people got used to microwaves and faxes and email where everything is instant rather than waiting. And I used to have a a cousin who in her earlier years was a missionary in Africa. We would write a letter on that real thin uh, featherweight paper and send it, and
0: six weeks later she'd get it. Oh, I remember doing that with you guys when I moved to Holland when I was racing bikes over there. That would have been 91 probably. And yeah. A phone call was like two dollars and fifty cents a minute, so he didn't a do that. Minute. Yeah, and uh, I think how
1: things have changed. And once oh they've it changed, it's hard to be content with the old way. It's hard to be content with a three-day delivery when you know you can get it in one. Thus, anybody who has an online product, you really need to look at the potential of being in the Amazon system.
0: Okay,
1: it's just so hard to stand out. For one thing, their audience is so enormous you can't compete with that as a primary individual brand you're never going to do it so if you're there they can draw people to you if they show you're getting a little traction they can drive people to you like you'd never be able to do on your own now, i'm not just promoting amazon there are a lot of downsides to that behemoth that they've created but if the reality is they are a the big player
0: yeah interesting okay how about on the service side service industries which I, again, I haven't paid attention to them. That's why you've got you here on the show. I don't know. I, you know, I, I know there's some service industries that have gone through the roof because we're now all more sequestered and at, at our home, at our office, whatever we're having services come to us uh, more than ever. Are there any service area industries that you've seen that are struggling become, because of this and others that have, yeah, have increased? I mean, you talked about like the DoorDash, that, 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 that type of thing but even like in the home services you know carpet cleaners and window washers and dry cleaners and all these things well, when you mention that carpet cleaners window washers yard service
1: guys roofers people like that they don't have to worry about being outsourced to china india or taiwan you can so they have security that a lot of people don't have because they're not as vulnerable to being outsourced like that we have a massage therapist who comes to our house. I'm not going to go online shopping for somebody that's $5 cheaper, you know, who lives three states away. It doesn't It doesn't relate. Yeah. I need somebody yeah. who's local, who can show up at our door, come into our house, and deliver that service. So some of those people, if they're good, they have absolutely guaranteed their security because— they're providing something. Now, you you mentioned you know, some of the things that you and Dr. Randy James are doing. We've seen a lot of telemedicine yeah. in this last year where people are used to having a doctor where you can just visit via Zoom. Now, you know, as well as I do, there are a lot of times you go to see a doctor and he never touches you where it is just verbal conversation, verbal information, and he c- comes up with a diagnosis, a prescription, or whatever but that's not the 100%. There's still, say, 20% of the time where it can't be done virtually. You need to see somebody. You want to walk in. You know, think about dentistry. Well, you can't really get the service there virtually. You're going to go in and get. So there's a lot of service providers that have not been hurt in this. Are they careful in their encounters? Sure. They can do that. But they're going to continue with the one on one personalized service that they've done for years.
0: What are, I mean, you just moved into a new house. Are there some? Yeah, I'm trying to think, what are some of the service industries, like you're talking about coaching, because of what's happened, coaching is more in demand than ever. What are some of the ones, is, I mean, obviously delivery services uh, yes. are, are at an increase. Have there been some others? Because again, it's so interesting hearing people talk about stuff. I don't spend my time thinking about uh, this. It's not, my, it's not my lane specifically with, with business yeah. and opportunities to you, see which ones know, are growing.
1: You, you know, Noah. Noah Torres, who has done our yard work up in Tennessee for 30 years. Usually uh, during the winter, things really slow down, and he really reduces his staff because you're not mowing grass on that. Not this year. Here's what happened. He said, usually when I go to work somewhere, we go to mow the yard, I see the wife, she waves, and we go ahead and do our work. He said, now the husbands are home. They've been home. They're saying, wow, what about that deck that we wanted? Oh. You know, what about that water feature we'd like to have in the front? What about a stamped concrete sidewalk that we'd like to put in? He has never been so covered up with work right through wow. the winter as he is this year. That changed dramatically. We did, in moving into our new house here, we wanted new cushions for the, the furniture out on our lanai around the pool. We had an enormous wait time, weeks of wait, because they're so backed up because so many people want new furniture, got new furniture for outside areas because they're spending more time at home. So there are a lot of things that are related around the home in terms of service industries that have exploded this year as a result of what happened.
0: And it'd be a great list of things like that that we just don't you know perceive. So I happen to be one area I do have my pulse on, obviously is the biking community. i um, I'm a big cyclist, I'm yeah, I'm part of uh, Facebook groups, so I've got you know the Colorado Springs mountain bike group, the front range mountain bike group. Uh, now, now that I, 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 got a fat tire bike, the fat tire, I mean, there's groups for all of them. And I go in there and I'll literally ask questions, you know, Hey, I just got this bike. And I'm I'm wondering about the tire pressure or whatever. It's just free information you get, you know, immediately. And what about this trail? I did that the other day. I thought, man, I'm interested in this trail went on there, just typed in the trail in the search engine and Facebook and boom, somebody 20 hours ago posted, Hey man, the trails down here, they're clear, they're fast, they're awesome. And boom, I, you know, I went down there. Uh, but one of the things I've seen there, the big, well, actually this is what happened. So Cannondale, you know, I did a, uh, a, a sponsorship with them, I don't know, a year ago or, or more. They sent me a bike. I love the thing. I contacted them, uh, probably around the, the end of last year and said, Hey, I'm looking at well want a fat tire bike. Let's work out a deal and do that. They said, man, we would love to, we are sold out. We have none. We can't supply the, 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 the dealers. Yeah. And so now on the, that's the joke here is I mean, people are buying, if you buy a new bike, you're going to wait months for it. And if you got a used bike, you can make some cash right now. <laughs> uh, you know, and I, now I'm here. And as you know, as we've been talking in the family chat, we're looking at the idea of doing some RVing and I haven't gotten into it a whole lot. But the first word I heard is, oh man, that's a hot market right now is RVs. Same thing. People had time they're like, ah, Maybe we should take that trip.
1: And kids aren't going to school anyway. Uh,
0: yeah, there you go. yeah, sure. So
1: yeah, people were forced into homeschooling, so why don't we take a trip together, do some adventures as a family that we've not been able to do before. Biking has absolutely exploded in 2020, the year that we just came through. As people are spending more time at home, more, doing more things as a family. Rails to trails, I just saw a yeah. piece on that just this week. Rails to trails has made more progress this year than they have been years and years previously. Wow. They're working on connecting trails, previously rail tracks that are now being converted to bike trails, and they ultimately will have 3,700 miles. They're connecting 145 trails across the country. They already have right at 2,000 miles continuous that will start in Washington and head toward Washington, D.C. We have right here... Near us, Legacy Trail. We're way down in Florida, but Legacy Trail. It's only 12 miles, but it goes from Sarasota down to Venice, incidentally.
0: No, I saw. I guess what you are going to say. My sister, your daughter, Ashley, talking about it, that it goes, it's what, a mile from their house and a mile from your house to get on it?
1: Eight-tenths of a mile from our house and about the same from theirs. We can get on and connect our houses. You
0: and Mom need e-bikes. That's right. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That would be that would be excellent. Well, you know, again, looking at opportunities, you're talking about, you know, real estate and, and things like that. My gosh, if you have vacant land right now, especially if it's in a destination spot, what a hot spot for an RV campground. Those things have got to be maxed out for months.
1: I, ha- I have a client right now who is developing RV sites. Oh. He said he can't imagine somebody buying duplexes, apartments, single residence. He says the hottest leverage he's ever seen in his life in real estate is in developing RV parks. Wow. When you think about it, you develop vacant land, put in water and sewer and rent those out overnight. I mean, some of those things rent for like $100 a night, just yeah. a space to pull in and hook up. He, he leveraged, I mean, last year he did one where he ended up ultimately with $600,000 in it. He just flipped it for $1.3 Goodness. Because the upside, in terms of cash flow, is so outrageous, and it's because more people are traveling. Yeah. So we can go on and on and on. I mean, this has been a challenging year, but we're talking about there are so many things in the whole home wellness industry, you know, exercise, fitness. Outdoor sports, all those things have just been absolutely accelerated by what happened.
0: Well, I got a—I uh, mentioned Peloton. I got a Hydro. People on this show have heard me advertising for Hydro, and it's sure. a rowing machine. It's just like Peloton. You get on a screen, and I, I do the live one. So I get on there, and there's somebody live doing it on, you know, Lake Charles or wherever they are. And, uh, uh, they're rowing and I'm on the screen with a whole bunch of people racing each other. And then they get together on the Facebook group and talk and say, Hey, you know, I, let's get our group together and we'll do a race and yada, yada. And they're connecting there. And, uh, I've got my met pro coach that I'm working with that checks in with me every day. It's coaching me along on my diet and my goals there. And, uh, yeah, that, that I have. Because I, I wondered what's going to happen with this? Are we going to see people get sicker or weller? And, of course, we just saw the people who were prone to being sicker got sicker. People yeah, prone to did. being weller got weller.
1: Uh, that's, boy, that's exactly right. Yeah. You know, another indicator that we've seen this last year is giving is up. Really? some friends who yeah. are involved in nonprofit, and you would think, well, everybody's really hunkered down. They're scared. No, not really. When there are challenging times we tend to reach out and help each other more. If things are going well, it's like, well, nobody needs anything. When there's, a, when there's a tragedy, when there's a challenge, we see that no matter what it is. People tend to reach out and help each other. And giving overall is up dramatically for last year.
0: Wow. Did not, did not know that. Well, you know, any other business highlights that you're seeing right now, again, from an opportunity standpoint? And, and actually, I'd like to end on uh, you speaking to where I started off with that for people who are listening to this and thinking about, Hey man, what should I get into? What should I invest in? And your, your, uh, your stick on, on how to match themselves up well, as opposed to just looking at what is hot.
1: Oh, wow. I love it. Thanks for the question. Yeah. It's easy to just to look out there and see what's really doing well and think I'll jump on, on the board. My advice is to first look inward. You know, how is God uniquely gifted you? What are your unique skills and abilities, your unique personality traits, your values, dreams, and passions? That's 85% of the process of having the confidence of proper direction moving forward. 15% then is the application. Yeah, let's find something where I can blend what I know about myself and put it there. So if somebody's, I mean, I would rather help somebody get excited and be profitable in raising dandelions than to try to talk them into being a computer programmer just because we know there are opportunities there you know all your heart all your passion all your curiosity and that'll develop into a passion you combine that with a plan of action and see results now you've got a formula for purpose now you can take that and attach it to something that you really care about a need where you see a need and that becomes purpose and drive forward and the opportunities are just so limitless. I don't want to be just some Pollyanna. Everything's wonderful. But in spite of the things that are challenging in the last year, the opportunities along with that are too many to describe. But, yeah, look at yourself first so you get a clear focus for what opportunity you want to hook yourself to moving forward.
0: Well, and you talked about that with the coaching aspect that – To say there's an opportunity there, but does it fit you? Are people asking you for information? Do you like helping guide and counsel people there? You know, we could take the same way for somebody over here who just heard what you said a minute ago and says, man, I've got a bunch of property here and there and whatever. Maybe I should, you know, start uh, developing that for campgrounds. To there, though, what would you say, what would you, where would you question them as far as their propensities, their experience, their understanding, their know-how? Because I've told a, probably a very, very bad paraphrasing of a story, but your testimony to me one time, if I get it right, it was somebody who looked at franchising, thought you know, they heard subways were doing really well, they're hard to get, they had an inroad, they got in there, and they tanked because it was not a good fit for them. Just because the franchise was a good fit, it was a good fit for them. So as far as looking at, yeah, whether it's a Subway franchise or a piece of land that they could turn into a RV campground, where do they need to look for how that might be a fit or not for them? Because it's not a gold ticket in and of itself.
1: Absolutely. And that's where we come back to look inward first. The example you referenced there, the gentleman was an accountant. He'd been very successful as a CPA. So he had the cash to get a Subway. What's well, a big deal. You know, Subway, fastest growing franchise. You know, we know they're extremely successful. So he he got one. Actually, it wasn't, it wasn't Subway, but it was a similar name. I won't mention the name. Similar to that. And it was a miserable, miserable experience for him. But think about it. As an accountant, he's very precise, yeah. prim and proper. Everything is in its place. Everything runs by precision. Now he's in something where somebody comes in, they spend seven bucks, and then they complain about what they got. Are you kidding me? He has employees that, eh, they show up 30 minutes late. Eh, you know, or I don't feel like coming in today. I mean, those things drove him nuts. Those are not clean, precise, exact kind of things. He's not a people person. Just somebody walking in the door was more like an interruption than an opportunity for a sale. It didn't fit him at all. He made the mistake of looking at a business that was successful. But it did not fit him. Yeah. Thus, we're back to that. Oh, my gosh, that's so important. Find out how you are uniquely gifted and use that as a basis for your focus moving forward. There are opportunities for really strange, rare things that nobody else in the world would want to do. But if that is your zone of genius, you can thrive and prosper there.
0: You know what? I do have one more topic, Dad. i had written it down and I want to end on, if that's okay, is, is the area of, I'm going to lump them together of, we talked about infopreneuring, infopreneurs, but authoring, authoring information those products obviously we talked about if you were delivering those messages via speaking or live events that's a place it's not happening in person now you know how are people doing that online successfully and have things changed and do you see more or less opportunity in that space right now
1: I do and it's a level playing field because people do not any longer see Universities as an example, as a repository of all wisdom. They see universities more as full of legacy training, meaning they're seeing things the way they were done a long time ago. But you can compete if you come up with, like uh, you mentioned, you know, your, Stephen Kotler coming out with a, a new book on creating the future or living into the future or whatever. You can compete with the finest universities in the world if you have a really clear message Like that, And the delivery is so easy because you don't have to expect people to come to a campus or even come to a conference. You can deliver that initially through a book. I mean, it's a wonderful opportunity for those of us who are authors to get our message out there and then leverage it through other ways that people can experience the message as well. So be that on online training or it can be a course or a seminar or a mastermind, or an online community. There's all kinds of ways to give people expanded opportunities to engage in your content. And that's what you have to do. You can't just think, well, I just submit my manuscript. You know you know this well. You talk to authors, and you don't just submit a manuscript, then go sit by the mailbox and wait for royalty checks. No, you'd be disappointed with that. But as an entry point for sharing your message and leveraging that, astounding opportunities, never been greater than now.
0: With that, and I'll lump them all together then, coaching, authoring, you know, infopreneuring and whatnot, that there's so much out there in your statement that, yeah, you can't, it's a level playing field, which I love. It's just like music, you know, used to be you had to get a music label. Now, if you can play some right. music, man, jump on YouTube, knock yourself out. If it's good, it'll go. But in that, credibility. I see people bumping up against that so often. How do they, especially if they're new wanting to get into the space or those yeah. who have even gotten in, but they haven't hit that yet. And they're wondering why there is so much noise out there. So many people claiming it, the aspect of how to, how to prove how to gain trust and prove your credibility. Because like you said, what was, what was what we were talking about that, uh, you know, coaching, anybody can call themselves a coach. Yes. Um, you can put self-publish your book. You can, Put that information out, create a course, yada, yada. But how do we know you're credible?
1: Well, being successful involves a whole lot more than just creating good content. (laughs) That's a topic for a, a, a long conversation. But there are a lot of people who are talented. I mean, we see musicians who are extremely talented, no question about it. Well, you, in, in the biking world, you know, we used to see kids who had really great physical ability. They really did, but they were never going to be competitors. Well, it's the
0: Seth Godin thing. They've got great art, but they're never going to bring it to market. They can't get their stuff together, and we'll never know about it.
1: That's right. They can't get their stuff together, so they don't have the personal discipline to stay healthy uh, physically. They don't know how to relate to people well so that people will start to engage with them. Well, It doesn't matter what, we, what our art is what it is that we're going to deliver, we have to learn the business of what we're doing. And that's not to just be cold calculated about business, but just the sense of how do you make this successful? How do you relate to other people? You know, a lot of times when people are starting a business, they'd be better off rather than taking another course to go deeper into their content. They'd be better off to read Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. It'll do more to move your career forward than just going deeper in your area of expertise. So it's a a bigger picture when we talk about personal success. When we talk about the Masters of Achievement, who we really admire, people like Zig, you look at his life that he lived. He talks a lot about that. It wasn't just about him being really good at sales and teaching people about that, although he's well known for that and rightfully so. But it was way more than that. I'm starting right now to walk people through in our community through Think and Grow Rich. We're gonna spend the entire year going through that book. I'm totally jazzed about it because we're gonna be able to go deep in the principles of success. And it doesn't, it's not because there's one focus and that is to get more money than anybody else, no. Is that a byproduct? Yeah, it's in there somewhere, but being rich implies a whole lot more. I t- call myself a familiar. Because I consider myself wealthy beyond description in terms of family relationships. So we have to learn that part. It's not just about having a savant ability in a particular area or or knowledge in a particular area. That alone will not do anything at this point. It won't do anything to move the needle. won't do a whole lot to make your life successful. It's a beginning point, but then you have to learn the other components of true success.
0: Hey, thanks. I'm going to go turn my field into an RV campground. (laughs) Uh, No, It's it's great. Again, it's not it's not an area that I, I spend time on, but that's why I wanted you here, because I kept having, you know, this said by somebody and this said by somebody, man, things are changing out there. And, uh, you know, some of it, I, I got to admit where, you know, in my space, things have not changed, you know, podcasting, it's getting listened to plenty and, you know, writing people are doing. And, uh, I've seen a couple of funny memes, you know, kind of introvert, you know, memes of son of a gun. My life hasn't changed any, I don't know if that's good or bad, but, <laughs> but, uh, but seeing that there's so much change out there and I know people are wondering what should they do? Where should they turn? What, how should they pivot? So, uh, thank you for the insight for today, dad.
1: Oh, I a fun conversation. Well, we have to go back to that, that quote I shared early, and that is we want to be parents of our future rather than the offspring of our past. This is a very dangerous time to be just depending on your past for guaranteeing your success because things are changing so rapidly. It, it has um,
0: made me scared of, or, or I should say con- uh, healthily concerned about being reactive. That This is the time I got to be proactive and intentional because if I wait till whatever happens, as people – realized man that's dangerous
1: that's dangerous yeah. yep you'll be very vulnerable if you're trying to do things today the same way you were doing them 10 years ago Do yeah. you know what you're vulnerable if you're doing things the same way you were doing a year ago and yeah. expect it to continue because everything is up for change
0: well, there you go, friends. Some small business guidance for the new year. Again, you can connect with Dan at 48days.com or email him at askdan at 48 dayscom Coming up in episode 860, we ask, what are the daily small deposits in your life that give you the most payoff? And we heard from lots of people on what daily habits are most valuable to them and talk about the huge value of small daily deposits. Till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.